Well, we're back here in the Taylor Park, and what an appropriate song for episode 61 of Taylor Trash Fly Fishing from here in Oak Hill, Florida, gathered around the old oak table is a former guest returning to the hot seat and rescue me. Jimmy from Alaska needs the rescue. This is his redemption opportunity. Um, We have sworn off poop jokes for the duration of episode 61 and kind of doing a little bit of a scaled back crew tonight. It's just Ben and I, and we plan on putting Jimmy to the ultimate test in his bushcraft knowledge and uh, finding out just what it what it takes to be just psycho enough to go live in Alaska year-round. That's it. What's up, buddy? It's much warmer here. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I can feel my fingers again. You like it? Oh, yeah. Good. The secret to podcasting? is actually talking loud enough that we can hear you on the microphone. So. Weird, right? Oh, we, we did all those sound this, tests, this and now you're whispering. And now he's like, I'm a little stage fright because of the poop jokes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of hard to follow that up. There we go. A little bit better. So uh, it's been a, a hot minute since uh, you've been down here for, for this. And the last time, I unfortunately missed the show in person. I, I was... Uh, up in the great volunteer state, I believe, mm-hmm. when you guys uh, recorded whatever that was. I wouldn't call it a podcast. <laughs> Maybe an infomercial for a laxative, but whatever. So, so it was pretty crappy. <laughs> let's let's just go back because you know, for as as much as we hope that everybody that listens to the podcast started at the beginning um, and has followed along with all of our lies and stories and drama. Um, they may not know who Jimmy is. Right. Um, so Jimmy, for those that aren't familiar, Jimmy is from Florida. Um, back when we first met and started talking to Jimmy and had Jimmy come in, you were still uh, flying around Florida, dragging rags. Oh, yeah. So... You know, why don't you just catch everybody up, give a little bit of a uh, little background bio and uh, all the way through current, and then we can kind of dive into it from there. Well, uh, started off as a rag dragger down here, towing the old Geico up and down the beach, uh, doing that for a while down in North Perry Airport down in South Florida. Then uh, got tired of that and definitely didn't want to put on the pilot shirt with the, the epaulettes. Not exactly my style. So I went over and got my float plane rating up at uh, Jack Brown's and uh, started working out in the Bahamas doing Tropic Ocean Airways with them and flying floats all here and there. Uh, got tired of flat and hot, so I went the opposite way. Went up to Ketchikan where it was cold and mountainous and uh, pretty much stayed. I came back one year and uh, was here for a winter, but uh, realized uh, I missed up there too much and kind of went up there and stayed up there for multiple reasons. Some not the best reasons, some some were regrettable reasons, but <laughs> I can't make all of the best decisions. Now, if I remember it correctly, when you originally went up and started the catch can gig, 
I thought you ended up staying at the end of that season and you were just up there, but you said you actually came back yeah, for part um, of a year. I think the first time I came on here um, was actually my when I was here back. It was after my first season at Catch Can. Okay. Came back, towed banners all winter long. That's right. And then I went up to Catch Can and uh, found a reason to stay. Right. That didn't work out, so I found another reason to stay. <laughs> Resourceful. Yeah. <laughs> got to look for different avenues. So before, okay, so I think we've got enough of a, a background. People people understand that are listening that may not, you know, have followed along, chronolo- you know, chronologically with us. You have a sense. We know Jimmy. Jimmy's been around for a while. Jimmy actually um, has done what many of us look back in life and go, man, I wish I'd have had the balls to like just up and fucking chase my dream all the way out to Alaska. You know I mean? It sounds cheesy, but at the same time, it's something that a lot of people do at some point in their life. Go, man, what if I'd have made that decision to just say, fuck it all and go out and see what happens. And you've done that, uh, which mad respect to you for, for having the balls to do it. But if there's, Anything that you've learned along the way, like you, you were just saying, you know, found another reason, found another reason. And there's there's somebody listening to the podcast that's, you know, maybe their their idea of really living on the edge is, you know, they were a trout guide in Colorado last summer, you know, and in, in between their sophomore and junior year of college and they're really not sure what this whole college thing is really meaning to them. And, you know, they're looking for a change of pace or they're, you know, what helped you get in the frame of mind where you were able to say, you know what? I'm tired of the heat. I'm tired of the flat. I've got this career that's kind of started, but it could go any different direction. How do you muster up the courage to fucking, push all the chips into the middle of the table and say, I'm all in and fucking do something like that. Spite. Okay. Everybody was telling me it'd be a dumb idea. It was the wrong way to do it. And I was going to do it whether they thought I could do it or not. And I wasn't going to let that stop me. It's it more of the I'll show them oh, yeah. kind of mentality. Very much. Well, plus it's, it's something I've always wanted to do. My, uh, my parents went up to catch a can uh, when I was in high school Okay. for their 25th anniversary. And my mom came back with pictures and pictures and pictures of float planes here and there and all the flying and everything. And all I could think of was, that's it. That's what I want to do. And I just, I went to a school where everybody was trying to rush through and go to the airlines and try to get their seniority number. And the last thing I could think of wanting to do was sit around and push buttons on a computer. And it's, I mean, it's for some people, it's just not for me. And I'm kind of, I've always kind of been after the next adventure. And going up there was kind of that next adventure. It's. I mean, they don't call it America's last frontier for no reason, right? Yeah. It's uh, it's something else. It's, it is a very different style of life than down here. That's for sure. So when you did make the move up there, obviously, you know, it's not for lack of training or lack of profession i mean you certainly had the training you're you're working on a on a profession as a pilot you know so we're not saying you know just up and move to alaska to chase his dreams i mean you know there's there's an underlying current there of what you were doing but what were some of the 
biggest surprises of getting up there and finding out just what your jam was going to be? I mean, did you did you have any second thoughts after you first got up there and like had to work through those to make yourself comfortable enough to stick it out? Was there ever any any doubt in your decision when you first got up there? Um, well, there was a lot of white knuckle moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's always going to happen, and there's definitely been some moments where I've I've gone, "Wow, that was really stupid." And luck kind of was, I was a little luckier than I was any good. Um, There's been a couple moments where I've been like, what am I doing up here? Um, I mean, just last week, I went into a village and I was delivering the mail. It was blowing 20 something, snow, frost. It was 20 below. And I'm throwing boxes off, off the back of an airplane onto a ramp by myself. And I was going, what am I doing here? And I couldn't help but, like, second-guessing. It was like, I'm sitting on a ramp in the subarctic, just freezing my butt off, flying a clapped-out airplane. How did I end up here? And then I got back in the airplane, and the view was awesome. The flying was great. No one's in the other seat talking to me. I've got a podcast or an audio book going. I'm just loving it. And every now and then, you need to reset and rethink why. Right. And then you get a reminder. Yeah, but I, I would say that there's plenty of guys that are listening to our podcast that are, you know, driving through Atlanta traffic on their way to the office. They're like, how the fuck did I end up here? How is it that I'm on I-75 going through the middle of fucking Atlanta, you know, at five miles an hour <laughs> yet again on a Tuesday? So, I mean, well, it's all relative, I suppose. It's You know, when it comes to that work grind. Um, I, I was getting like, just curious, like when you get up there, you know, it is, you know, like if you go to the Bahamas and you're on Island time, sometimes you have to understand you just have to chill out and let shit happen, you know, pushing for it, you know, is not going to make it happen any sooner. And I would imagine there's probably a big slowdown and, and expectations for shit to happen quick in Alaska is probably not realistic either is it yeah bethel time and island time are pretty much pretty close thing i mean you can say oh yeah it's a ten thirty flight but people are like trickling in and by the time everything gets going and it gets loaded your ten thirty flights leaving at 11 right and it's the same with when you get to the village they're like oh yeah the agent said he'd be there in five minutes and 20 minutes later you see a snow machine pull up and you're like okay now we got something and we're going somewhere but for the most part it's it's when I first got hired there, uh, up where I'm at now, up in the up in the Yukon, uh, they said, "We're not um, uh, flexible here. We're fluid because flexible breaks. <laughs> so keep your expectations pretty low." Okay, we're and, fluid. Uh, we got a. There's a thing they've got. It's called the Bethel 180. Uh huh. Um, it's when they'll have a pilot come up who's someone from like the lower 48 or something like that, or it's their first flying job, and they get off the plane in the jet in, Be- in Bethel, and they. Walk out, look around, and walk back into the terminal. It's happened a bunch. It probably won't stop happening, but guys just get out there, and they realize what they've gotten themselves into, and they go, no. And they turn around. Just not for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can tell it just stepping off the plane. See, I've, I've had the luxury. I've flown in and out of Bethel. So, you know, I don't know what someone would have in their mind. I mean, obviously going up there to work. I went up there to go fishing. So, 
to me, it was pretty refreshing to get off and be like, holy shit, we're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, the most odd thing on my trip to Bethel, preparing for it, going up, and, and probably having a understanding for distances because I fly and I should, you know, have some kind of clue as to how many nautical miles something is away from somewhere. I don't know that I expected. I know I didn't expect it. And I was surprised when my connecting flight out of Anchorage to Bethel was a 737. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was expecting like, you know, a commuter and shit, this is what they're commuting. You know, so a lot of folks fly out to Bethel. I mean, it was a full flight. Um, but that was what was really odd to me was flying into this desolate area, but it's still getting fucking jet service. So the Bethel is it's it's like the main hub for like the whole Yukon Delta. The the way it was explained yeah. to me is it's the armpit of that area. Essentially. <laughs> Pretty much what you do is you, you fly into Bethel and then from there you go to all the different villages. Uh-huh. Um, everybody comes in there and um, we have a hospital in Bethel mm-hmm. and they've got a grocery store and they have a movie theater. Um, it hasn't been opened because of COVID, so I don't know if the movie theater is any nice. But how it works typically is they fly in and they're coming either to or from Anchorage because they'll go into Anchorage so they can go to the Costco or you can the, the doctors are better in Anchorage or they've even gone down all the way to Seattle for medical help because it's even better down there. And then they're it's all going in and out of Bethel. So typically it's it's kind of like the main like area to go through. Kind of like how Ketchikan is a major hub for the southeast, for like Prince of Wales Island in that area. Right. So it's the only difference in what I do now from where I was in Ketchikan working is there's no float planes. Or there's less float planes. Right. And I'm not flying one. Which, you know, when, like, I associated Bethel with float planes. Um, because obviously I went up there and did a, a fly out trip or whatever. Um, but as far as like daily operations, sure. You know, Ketchikan's pretty much. It's only. It's only water. Um, Ketchikan, we've only got, I think, three runways in the entire area that you can go to. Kloak, Hyder, and Ketchikan International. Whereas Bethel, there's 30 something. Like every village has their own runway. They're all like short gravel runways mm-hmm. when they've, they've all got a DOT shed and they're all DOT operated. They all, most of them have lights. So like they're not, they're nice runways. They're not bad to deal with at all. Right. Um, and they're pretty well maintained for the most part. So, um, you've been up there two years now, two and I, a half. I've been in catch can for almost five years. Are you shitting me? It's been that long. Yeah. Wow. So there's my sense of time. I would have been at three. That's what I was getting. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking. So this is going to be my fifth summer up there. Okay. Because I did three three summers in Ketchikan, one summer in Bristol Bay, and then this uh, this one coming up now in Bethel. And uh, do you ever? Sent, okay, so last summer you left Ketchikan, mm-hmm. did a little bit more of the remote, um, much handyman more, much pilot more remote uh, <laughs> routine, right? Yeah. Did did you find yourself while you were doing the uh, lodge lifestyle um, ever walking out to the plane to 
do whatever it is that you were tasked with that day and, and wonder what uh, what was going on with Reg and the Cubs? Oh, the bear. Reggie. <laughs> My bear back from Ketchikan. Yeah. Old Reggie. Regina, actually. And it turned out to be Regina, yeah. right? Um, no, I was more worried about the, the sow with the Cubs that was wandering around camp. Um, we had a couple, we had like one or two that came in and out, um, a couple times. Uh, they had it way worse at the other lodge. They had way more bears there. Mm -hmm. Um, so having worked last summer through the height of COVID, obviously no guests coming out. We had very limited number of guests, very few far between you found yourself basically getting to enjoy the Bristol Bay area with nobody out there. It was so a lot of or the, very few. A lot right? of the other lodges did open. Oh, did they? And there was some people out there, um, but for the most part, like the beginning of the summer, we had it. It was pretty quiet. Um, we mostly had it to ourselves a lot. Um, it was a lot of fun. There was I got to do some stuff that I never thought I would be able to do. Mm-hmm. Made some great friends. We got to I got to run a jet boat on the Nonbionic and a bunch of the other rivers, and they like they taught me how to drive the jet boat. Um, I learned how to throw a spay rod, which was really awesome. It's it kind of changed who you are, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, just, just <laughs> a little bit. Um, there was definitely a lot of great opportunities. There, don't get me wrong. There were still moments where I was going, man, I wish I was home right now. Because, I mean, spending four months with the same six or seven people, uh, it, it can get a little small sometimes, and you kind of want to yeah. get out. Yeah. But for the most part, every memory is generally good. Like, we did some really, really cool things that I'm never going to forget. Um, and the fishing was just amazing. Knowing that I could walk down any day of the week down to a river and go go fishing was awesome. And some really good friendships were had. There was some stress at some point, but everybody worked it all out for the most part. Perfect. Figured out how much how tasty grouse were. Ate many of them. Me and Chip got to do some... Well, uh, those, those are the... Uh, tree chickens. Tree chickens. Spruce oh, yeah. chickens. Oh, yeah. A uh, couple times, me and Chip went out and uh, hunted for them, and then we also did a ptarmigan hunt one day over on their side of the pond, and uh, that was really fun. It was it was pretty sweet. It was a great, great deal. So how much flying did you actually... I mean, obviously, if there had been clients all summer long, you'd have been flying every day, mm-hmm. you know, morning and evening or whatever. Did you end up doing much flying out there or? Not as much as I would have liked. I mean, I only did about 82 hours for the whole summer. Okay. But they were good hours. There was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of it was fuel runs to, to and from the native village uh, that we'd go to, Igyagig, which is right there. And then, uh, but the, the flying that I got to do, like bringing some of the lumber and stuff out to the lodge and the other camp, and then taking the clients out to the rivers and stuff, that was what really did it. Like that. The one week that we had clients was probably one of my favorite weeks of the entire summer, aside from the time when my uh, my mentor came out and when my girlfriend came out as well. Um, getting to see what that airplane was capable of was really cool. It was a amazing little machine. And that was the first time you'd been, what, around or even... I, I wasn't even aware of the Helio being on floats. Yeah, um, I was totally unfamiliar with it. Um, they had hired me to fly a Beaver. Um, but the beaver wasn't going to be ready in time for the summer. So they were like, well, we're going to have you fly the helio instead. And 
I was a little wary. I'd heard about him before, and I'd, I'd heard some pretty bad things from another guy, but I think he just had a bad experience and just let that completely consume his identity of the aircraft. Mm-hmm. But all in all, it was probably one of the most impressive things I'd ever flown. You were flying an airplane that could go 130 miles an hour at 55 miles an hour on approach doing stuff that only Cubs would do, and it was just a joy. It was super easy to get with, to work with, and... It was just great. How how does it compare as far as like loading and being able to haul the freight? Obviously, it's not a beaver, but pretty well, good, pretty good useful load. It it can't carry as much as a beaver. A useful load was usually like a thousand, twelve hundred pounds, depending on like <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, pretty fucking good, especially on floats. Yeah, um, but the best part was how easy it was to use it. It was. Unlike a beaver, like the doors opened up and got out of the way. There was no wing strut to get in the way. Like you had four and a half feet of door space to work with. Right. Um, loading lumber or hundred pound propane cans, all those things was was easy. It was just pleasant to work. Like the whole thing was just the airplane was well thought out. Like they knew what they were doing when they made the thing. Man, it was just fun to fly. So your current gig that you're working, um, out of Bethel leaves you half the half your time still back in Ketchikan. Yep. So I know I was going to hopefully be able to uh, come up. You're about to have a little adventure out of Ketchikan. So tell us a little bit about, I guess your new home in Ketchikan. Like, you know, what, how's the fishing and the, and things there? Cause I mean, I already know, but you know, so and how did how did you come to explore what's your preferred exploration method whether it's you know so we're going to be going over to prince of wales island um it's it's a quick little ferry ride just up the up the channel from uh, ketchikan and the whole island is crisscrossed by federal highways that are all super nice and super well maintained um when they like the the people on the island were pretty smart and they took advantage of all the how big is the island I think Prince of Wales is r- maybe roughly the size of, uh, I know it's smaller than Rhode Island, but it's, uh, I think it's one of the, I think it's the fifth or sixth largest island in the country. Okay. Um, it's, it's pretty big. It's, it's decent sized, but there's, it's totally crisscrossed by all these paved roads, which don't see a lot of usage, um, aside from the people who live there on, on Prince of Wales Island, which there isn't that many. Um, I think the whole island's got a total population of somewhere around like, 3,000, 3,500, something like that. And it's also got four service cabins all over it. And we're going to be going over on the ferry with my Jeep and uh, one of my dirt bikes. And we're going to make camp at one of the cabins. And then throughout the week, just going to crisscross to different rivers all up and down the island going for steelhead, which southeast has some really remarkable wild steelhead that are native. Did you hear that, Mike? They're native. They're natives. I love it. It sounds like a super fun adventure. The uh, it's always cool when you get to like a break out of the norm, b chase fish you want to chase, and b like c. I mean, like have a motorbike and be like, okay, I'm gonna break this flat rod down and, and shoot over here, and we're gonna check this one out, and okay, let's go check this river out. And you pack back up and go do it again. I think that's pretty slick. The bike's been like really great for that. Um, I've got a sweet little Yamaha. 
is really great up until the point where I dropped it on myself and melted a hole in my waders. Ooh. Yeah, that was that was the end of the GPS. Day over. Yeah. <laughs> but that was also my own fault. But aside from that, it works great. It's the whole... So all of... I live on... Ketchikan's on Revilla Gagato Island, and the whole island is crisscrossed by logging roads all over the place. And they recently connected um, the roads on Ketchikan with all of these older logging roads, and you can go for two and a half miles in one... Or not two and a half... Two and a half hours in one direction and not stop driving. And all of these main, like, gravel roads have shoot-off roads that either are bouldered off or are blocked off by gates that you can get around with on a dirt bike. So there's spots I've been up to where we've I've had to cut trees out of the way with, like, a saw and spots that people haven't been out to in 20-something years. And they're all public roads that, that are just closed for usage just due to, because they're not going anywhere or they're... So a lot of them are just leftovers from the logging days. Okay. Um, they kind of... When the logging ended back in 1997 with the Tongass Timber Reform Act, they a lot of those logging areas were either already cut or in the process of being cutted, or cut and uh, cutted, cutted. You know, I'm a public of the I'm a I'm a <laughs> product. <laughs> I'm a public of the product school system. <laughs> there you go, perfect. But uh, there's all these uh, abandoned roads out there that are all in pretty decent shape because they were designed to handle like big half ton trucks, and you can get out there and just go on them and the forest service is fine with it. And a lot of them are forest service maintained roads. So you, you brought up the Songus. Um, was it back over the summer that, uh, the rule change came into effect? The, mm-hmm. uh, no roads rule was rescinded. Mm-hmm. was that like a big deal up there. A lot, anybody talking yeah, about that? Um, like what, what's your feelings on it? I don't feel like I have enough information on the topic to really have a strong opinion on it in my own right. Uh-huh. I know what a lot of the people around me um, felt. A lot of the old timers were excited. They wanted logging to come back. And a lot of other people were like, no, we got to protect the forest. And it's it's it depends on where you're at and which bar you were sitting in when they were arguing about it to hear what the opinion was. Right. Um, but the issue is with the whole bringing back the, the logging and whatnot in there, the infrastructure is just not around anymore. Um, the pulp mill in Ketchikan shut down in like the ninety late late 90s, I think 97 or 98, mm-hmm. and it's fallen into complete dilapidation. Like those buildings collapsed, and it's... it To get the infrastructure back to make logging as um, big of an impact as it was back in the 90s and the 80s, it's gonna, it would take 5, 10 years to even get the infrastructure around, nonetheless, the actual logging itself. And... The guys who knew what they who knew how to log it, the the loggers from there, they're all older guys now. Right. You see them down at the bar, and they're not going logging anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, we're so far away from it. I, you know, I knew that that change was coming, or there was the potential for the change, and you know, you're hearing things on both sides. But you living up there, it's interesting. Your take, you know. And, and what I take away from what you're saying is it's not a clear cut everybody's against or a clear cut everybody's for. It's, you know, how does it affect each individual, you know? Well, and the thing about the Tongass is everything there grows so ridiculously rapidly. Um, a lot of areas, um, after everything has been cut, it, it only takes rap- like roughly like 75 years for all that timber to come back. 
Right. At least that's the information I have been told and regurgitated. Right. Um, and it, so, like when when you're out exploring um, and you're driving down these roads, do you feel like you're driving through areas that have been like you know clear cut, and you're like, man, this is total devastation. This shit sucks. Or is it like it's just another forest road? It depends. Okay. Um, some of the areas were logged very well, mm-hmm. and some of them you can't quite tell that it's all new forest. Like, all the timber around t- the town itself is new growth, and for the most part, you can't really tell it's new growth because it's it's been over almost 100 years since. Okay. Um, but some once you get further out the road system and you get to some of the areas that are more recent cuts, the problem is a lot of the timber that they would, when they did the clear cuts, a lot of the timber was left on the ground because not a lot of it was actually quality enough to bring out. Okay. Um, because the quality just wasn't there, and they would typically leave a lot of that on the ground. Um, a lot of my friends have told me, and I know guys have tried it, and if, you, if you're if you out hunting and you see a deer or a grouse down in a clear cut, the rule of thumb is don't ever go into the clear cut because it's you're never going to, it's going to take you forever to get through and get out because there's just so much debris on the ground. Just a tangled mess. Yeah, it's it's just a giant mess. So the rule of thumb is don't go through the clear cut. Right. And that kind of goes through the, for a lot of the wildlife. The bears, they want the easiest way, so they're not going to go through there. And it just it creates these really like large areas that you can't quite get through. Um, I don't know. It's a very hot topic. and I try to Yeah, I don't know that much I, about it. So Yeah. And the thing is, being since like I'm still, I've only been living, I haven't been living in the state that long. It's... I don't feel like I really have a right to argue about it because I'm still new. It's not my, I don't have the right to have any claim to that or argue about it and come in and try to change the thing because I'm not really, I'm still new. I'm still working on it. Right. I don't have the right to do that yet. Okay. In my head. Fair enough. Makes sense. You got to respect that too. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, you know, don't have enough information, well, don't have an opinion on it. It reminds you of that interview Rogan did with Post Malone where he asked him a question. He's like, He's like, I'm, I'm 25. I can't speak on that. Right. It's like a little bit of self-awareness on your part. That's like, good for you, man. You're not trying to be like, I got to have an opinion because that's the cool thing to do. You're like, I got to still learn a lot. Mm-hmm. I think people need to be more like that. I so, have approximate knowledge of many things. And that's, that's cool. Well, that's that's um, pretty good definition of a bullshitter. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can kind of tiptoe around everything. Yeah. Know a little bit about a lot. Tiptoe number four. And depending on how many beers I think everybody around the table has been drinking, I might know a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. so you know because they're not going to call me on it. A little off topic. Are you familiar with the card game Uno? Uh, I've played it before. Okay. So Uno tweeted recently that you can't play a 2-plus on top of a 2-plus. And everyone got on to him and said, um, thank you, you've given us the cards, we're going to make the rules. And basically it came out that the rules of Uno truly are whatever you can get the rest of the table to believe. <laughs> and go along with. So, Well, if you say anything confidently enough, people are bound to believe something. Yeah. Well, you know, Carl's not here tonight, but one of, one of the things that he has said um, that I believe is just absolute incredibly smart and aware of human nature 
is if you want to go in somewhere that has restricted access, carry a ladder. People mm-hmm. will open doors for you because you're carrying ladder. Nobody's yep. going to question your <laughs> credentials. You're carrying a fucking ladder. Open yeah. the damn door. You can't be up to anything with the fairness. Yeah. Um, you know, it falls into the same category as like, you know, um, here, Ben, here's a clipboard. You're in charge. Yeah. And people see Ben <laughs> carrying a clipboard. That motherfucker's in charge. Um, you know, it's just little idiosyncrasies of human nature that we look at certain items and associate. And it's completely true. Perception is reality. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, so on your visit, you obviously were on a tight schedule, so we didn't really get to fish. We had planned on fishing. I even had it on my schedule Friday fishing with Jimmy. So you're going to have to work harder to, peel off more time the next time you come in town it was kind of a last minute deal and i kind of had to check off all the boxes on who i could see and what i could get done and uh the primary reason to come down was public chicken right um after that it was you know see the family because every now and then they have to remember that i, I do exist right I'm still here i'm still real <laughs> i'm not just the person there's pictures of all over the house <laughs> and uh visit the friends and uh make friends and Work on some possible new ventures right. and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, crank out some nighttime in the airplane so I could work on some other stuff, you know. But five days is not enough time. No. Nah. Well, well we're glad and you could carve out time in your schedule to come hang out with us. And Well, I had to bring Larry his magic rock. That's right. The, so, where did I... Where did I... I saw that, like, on Instagram or something... And I was like, oh, my God, does this really exist? And I messaged you, and I was like, dude, there's this post about these rocks. And it's in Bristol Bay, specifically. Um, it, it looks like most any other rock that you would yeah. see on the shoreline, but it's volcanic. And they float. Like, you could throw the rock. Like, I could pick that rock up. And somebody would be very worried if I was going to hit him in the head with it. But truth be told, it weighs nothing. I, I and, picked it up a minute ago and was like, holy cow. So so when I reached out to Jimmy, I was like, dude, check this out. Have you seen it? And you're like, yeah. I'm like, will you bring me one? He's like, yeah, next time I come down, I'm bringing you a fucking volcanic rock. So um, this summer, we were at the lodge, and uh, we had a pretty good windstorm coming through, and it was getting kind of late, and... Uh, me and Chip actually went down to like add some extra ropes onto the airplane, uh-huh. and we're we were finding stakes and whatnot, and we had a stake, and he's like, "Oh, let's find a rock to pound it in." And I saw one of those rocks that was the size of a basketball, so I grabbed it and I like, "Chip, catch!" And I threw it to him, and he panicked, and like, like went up to catch it, and I was like, "Oh, what?" <laughs> and immediately realized what I had thrown him. Right. I dig it. Yeah. I've actually got a, a pretty big chunk. It's it's almost like, I, I would say it's pumice stone um, that I found on the beach here. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it exists all around the world, but mm-hmm. specifically up there, it's pretty fairly common, would you say? I found it on the, at the lodge. It was, someone had left a pile of it next to the airplane dock, so I was just like, oh. Okay. There's Larry's Rock. There it is. <laughs> 
And I had to grab one, of, of course, for myself. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's not every day that you can have what looks to be a paperweight that's actually a paper light. I was thinking about <laughs> doing like a little, like a, like a bowl with water in it. Put like a little plant on the top of it. <laughs> and just like let it float around. Having it float around. Oh, that'd be killer. That'd be really cool. I think it'd be cool. That's an that's a fucking eBay business right there. You can sell them on eBay and be shipping them down. Amphibious pet rock. That's right. Oh dude. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. So um what uh what other uh things do you see yourself getting into here in the near future i know you're uh you're doing all this night flying on this trip to uh possibly level up on airframes yeah um so unfortunately with all the flying i've done i haven't done a lot of the right kind of flying that they need to fly uh instrument so um, we've got a lot of pilots up there they're all ifr capable and so we can fly into the clouds and into known icing and I'm short um, a very small niche of time, nighttime, to be flying them. I've got all the other requirements three or four or five times over, but not the night. So in order to get that, I have, I'm having to come down here. It was fine this winter, but we had a lot of issues with weather and aircraft breaking down and having too many pilots. So when I could have gotten it when it was dark from 10.30 to 3.30, it didn't really happen. And now it's gotten to the point where the sun's back and it's back and forth. So, and we're not, we're just not getting the nighttime anymore. How long are your days up there already? Uh, I think as of right now, like the sun's up at like nine o'clock and then it's back down at like six thirty. Okay. Once, so, so once your, your days are still shorter than ours right now. Yeah. Once it starts to change though, it start it goes really quick. So, okay. So right now it's, uh, actually it's in Bethel. It's. 8.32 up, and then down at 7.27. Oh, so almost coming up on 12 yeah. hours already. Yeah, and uh, yeah. next thing you know, it's going to be more like 18 and 19, which that's when you want to break out the, uh, the sun-blocking curtains. Right. Yeah, I can imagine. So, Ben, um, have you been out at all? Um... I think you had your little bass adventure. I was going to say, I think the only time I've been out since, who knows, is there's this uh, there's this pond by my house. It's, it's somewhere, what's the definition difference between a pond and a lake? It's very subjective. I think yeah. it's the amount of ducks. Um, okay. That could be one measure. Um... I don't know. I believe a lake would probably be greater than, say, 10 to 15 acres, something like that. Okay, then this this fits the definition of a lake. On a map, it's considered a lake. Okay. But it's man-made, and it's just square. Oh, well, then it's a retention pond. Uh, right. If it's man-made and square, it's not a lake. Well, and that's, that's what I was getting at. I don't, I don't exactly know what to classify this as, as a, or as a retention lake. A large um, retention area, retention pond. Okay. Well, this retention, well, that's why I asked on classifications, because okay. I've never heard of a retention lake, but this fits the bill. Um, It's got, it's got a channel on one side that's, I don't even know where the bottom of it is. 
with like a spoil island in the middle that gets real shallow. It's still submerged, but it's like a foot deep. Okay. And then I'm sure there's certain times that you have seen it above water. Uh huh. But right now it's underwater. And and then it spills out and to deep gully all around. It gets I guess it gets about eight to ten feet deep in the whole thing and then it slowly climbs out and then this side's got a bunch of lily pads on it and this side's got a bunch of cattails. And that side I haven't really explored yet, but it's much more open and there's like a tall weed grass that grows all the way up to the top. So it's really interesting. You'll see the bass sitting on and that's over by the lily pad side. So you'll see him sitting on it and you can like work a fly and you'll just watch this wake torpedo across the water toward it and just inhale it. But they're all like nine to twelve inch fish. Okay. Maybe a pound. So like um, ten weight. Yeah, ten weight territory for sure. Then as I found as you go toward the middle where that island is, you get into the twelve weight territory where you got four and five pound bass. Rumor on the street is there's some ten pounders in there. And I, I have no doubt, I would totally believe it. I've only fished it twice. Um, but it's interesting. I grew up, there's a barber shop by my house I've gone to since I was like 12. But not recently. No. This was a homegrown haircut and it shows. Um, Noah's girlfriend gave it to me. And I actually have hair again. It's good to see. Yeah. It's good to see. I like it. I noticed it's a little more salt and pepper than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll see if it grows back. More distinguished. Yeah. Distinguished. You look wizened. Um, but I used to hear the old timers talk about it. And about this pond. About this pond. Oh, and the, Larry's hair. Well, that too. A lot um, of people talk about my hair. Believe it or not, job sites Larry's hair is really popular. It really is. <laughs> people are like, I had a guy, I was like, hey man, Larry start growing his hair out yet? And he goes, I know he lost that bet. Damn, he's an ugly motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, it's coming back. The terms of the better over. They're like, thank God. Um, but the uh, for a while, I guess someone owned this pond, and you used to have to like know who owned it to get permission to fish it. There was no trespassing signs, and then they built this industrial complex on it. And all the, the signs are still there, but they're faded. You can't even tell what they say anymore. Right. So I'm like, now that I'm like old enough to actually go to jail for trespassing i'm like i should fish it so i've dropped the canoe in a couple times and then this old guy told me he's i was like yeah i've seen fwc out here a couple times he goes dude they're and i was like so i've kind of been hesitant to fish it for trespassing because they're not trespassing but they're just checking for fishing licenses he's like everyone's fishes this i was like okay cool he's like yeah there's a boat ramp on the other side so one day after work, I was like, I'll go drive and see if I can like launch my skiff there. And the boat ramps turned into a hobo camp, like <laughs> a stout population, like 30 people in these huge communal tents. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to launch my boat Well, that's here. why you can't find the 10-pounders anymore. They already ate them. They've eaten them. They might have eaten them. I mean, they, they, they look like a bunch of bass eaters. Um, but the other day I got an idea. I was like, there's some really tall... It almost reminds you of, like, a land-based grass that you'd see in, like, the Everglades that goes down. Not the Everglades, like Florida Bay. You know what I'm talking about? That really tall, like, you see them in, like, springs, that really tall, like... Okay, it sounds almost like the Tidrilla, then. Could be. My horticulture's not great, I'll be honest. Um, So, but it grows on the land, on the, like, the... 
That's what I'm saying. It's a land-based, grassiest material. and Grassy ass? A grassy ass. It's a grassy ass. What are you thanking me for? <laughs> Everything. Um, All right, so I, I don't know. So anyway, there's there's aquatic vegetation. Yeah, aquatic that goes down the whole vegetation. bank. A vegetation. A vegetation. And I was like, if I go back far enough toward the highway, uh-huh. I should be able to back my skiff over the bank. Not by the Safeway, but out by the highway. Correct. Um, that's for you, Ben. Um, he knows. He knows. That's why he doesn't answer your phone calls. Dude. If you want to know, <laughs> we're going to talk about this, Ben, because you'll get a laugh out of this. The amount of people that have thrown shade on poor Ben for that is unreal. Well, it's it's almost the it, it's the stereotypical yin and yang situation because you have nice Ben, yeah, and you have that's me by the way. You have you rock star YouTube celebrity mean. Ben yes. on the other side of the I, I don't think mean wasn't the right word. I believe douche was the preferred Ooh. It got nasty, Ben. I stuck up for you so hard and everyone's like, Yeah, whatever. I was like, No, Ben's a pretty cool guy. He's just not cool enough to have my phone number saved, but we're gonna remedy that. You're not the only one. I've texted him and he said, Who's this? I know. And and I get it. If you've got thirty thousand people that watch your YouTube and your phone number gets out on the internet, like, oh great, every Yahoo's gonna start texting me now. I get why you'd be a little bit like hair on the back of your neck, like, What's going on? Who where who is this? Where'd you get my number? Who's fixing to get a, a phone call that says knock it off? Um wait till the paparazzi gets him. I know, God, it's gonna be brutal. He's, he's gonna he's be gonna out go on the river with these, his family. He's gonna go to one of these fly fishing trade shows. Yep. And next thing you know, pe- people are gonna be like, What's going on down there? Is Flip is Flip here? And they're like, yeah. No, it's fucking the huge fly fisher. The huge one. And then he's gonna get cancelled. And he's gonna get cancelled. So fast. Cause he's white. Um But the um more importantly, he's an ass-hooked whitey. Um, <laughs> nice setup. Good thanks. But, <laughs> nice setup. Um, so I, I backed the, the skiff in over. It was a pretty steep hill. And so I, I just was like, you know what? No one's going to mess with me. I'm just going to leave the trailer like backed into the river. I'll go fish a little bit. It was super windy. Now there's a river that flows into the pond? Sorry. it's I meant to say ditch. There, it was like a river because the wind was... Like as soon as I backed out, it started pushing me down. But it was okay. It's a it's a it's like a canal almost. It's very but, much like current. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. The river, no, the current. So did it run through it? Always, always. <laughs> Shadow casted that bank so hard. <laughs> um, story for a different time. I convinced a kid he needed to learn how to shadow cast to be better fly fisherman. <laughs> it was fun watching him try. So. You can see there's a there's a mix. There's like a lot of bass in there. There's a couple tilapia. Fished around the bank a little bit. Didn't get anything. And I pulled around a corner. Got kind of in the reeds so the wind would sl- like I'd go through the wind a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. And then um, out in kind of like the middle cut between this set of cattails and this, there was like a lone lily pad. And I was like, that's where I'd be if I was a bass. I don't want to stake out right there. Through just past it. Strip my fly in. Get like five feet past it, and just out of the. It's so it's crystal clear. You can see the whole bottom, except in the canal or the river, depending on your preferred nomenclature. 
watch this bass just shoot out and grab it. And I was like, okay, he wasn't where I thought he was going to be, but that was cool as heck. Just how camouflaged he was till he moved. I never saw him. Um, and it makes sense. That's how they were designed. But they, um, he ate, it was probably, I'd say it was maybe flirting with two pounds. Not crazy. Mm-hmm. Maybe a pound and a half starting to get chunky, but not quite there. Like awkward chunky. Right. Like that, you know, the red little red fish with, yeah, he was husky. He was husky. Like I used to be in, in middle school. Um, caught him. Nose. Who's your favorite middle school teacher? Mom. <laughs> Always. Um, the most annoying. No. So we did a lot of like, we had like, this is school used to be on VHS tapes, Larry. Um, uh, we used to have different subjects and the worst in middle school was Senora McLam who taught Spanish and God above. I hated her class. Um, but fun fact, I do have to thank her for my Instagram handle. Because it wasn't until I took that Spanish class that I started calling my brother the fish boy because he hated it. <laughs> and But I didn't know enough about Spanish. I had it backwards. Instead of El Muchacho Pescado, I called him El Pescado Muchacho for the fish boy. And it wasn't until I actually created it. So we're going to have to circle back to the bass thing. So the... Um, when I was p- started getting into fly fishing, I was mm-hmm. posting on my regular Instagram and people, I had people mention like, dude, come on, man. All you're doing is posting fish stuff. So I was like, I'll start a fish And I was like, what do I call it? And all of a sudden that popped into my head. So I actually typed it out. El Pescado Muchacho. And I had a friend from Texas, actually f- friends, a loose term an acquaintance from my spook days. Right. And he'd be like, Hey man, your Spanish is wrong. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, it should be El Muchacho Pescado. And I was like, I don't know. I like mine better. And then, like, I thought about it. I was like, oh, we'll do it right. And the amount of Spanish, like, lodges and fishing accounts that follow me is actually astoundingly high. It's pretty funny. <laughs> they message me, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, literally. Okay. No, you're, you're the boy fish, not the, not the fish boy. Right. Well, now I'm the fish boy. I've corrected it. <laughs> um, so that's how my Instagram handle came to be. Um, and now, in hindsight, I'm shocked that wasn't taken. Somebody should have yeah, taken no it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but I'll take it. And then, so I back I back the back end of my skiff into the cattail so I can fish these other things. <laughs> and I catch this little dink bass, and I release them, and I look down, and like just swimming right out of the cattails by the boat. And he was probably laid up the whole time, and I just never saw it. It was about a four or five pound bass. It was super fat, about that long, maybe that long. Just swam right by the boat, and I'm like, dink. Trying to lead him. He's got no interest in my fly. He knows I'm there. Um, there was somebody else on a paddle boat. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like the squares. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. Fishing in that. And I don't know if he ever caught anything. He's on the other side of the lake. But it was, uh, it's cool. It's been a fun thing to do. And the, the fun part of it was it was on the dusty to crusty rod. Nice. That I caught him. Um, the final pieces of that are finally in the mail. I'm excited. I've got some line coming from Cameron and a Fabulous Manifesto reel pouch. Um, all in, though, that setup's only going to cost me 155 bucks. Nice. That's a lot of skiff fuel at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and then I motored out, clipped my boat back up. Now, to keep my boat on the trailer, because my bunks are kind of slick, I had to leave it like in gear to like, go up and clip it. And I came back, killed it, and pulled it up. Well, I actually pulled it up with it on on then pull it out of the water but you know what i mean like slid it up to yeah. its rest went back killed it 
I went to pull out, and the truck started sliding a little bit, fishtailing uh, in the back. I was like, a little pucker factor. Yeah, and I'm like, how bad have I messed up? And then I thought about it. I was like, because I, I like, I knew I could get out. The heavy Chevy's capable. Um, but with there being former no trespassing signs, I'm like, I want to be real careful not to tear up the grass and get my fishing privileges revoked. So I just pulled her back into four high and just tapped the gas and she crawled right out. Feathered her on up the hill. And ironically, my, uh, African long grass just popped right back up where the trailer was at. And there's, there's two tire marks, but I think they're probably back up by now. Hopefully weed control. Exactly. And there's a lot of weeds. So, you know, sincerely, Ben, thank you for sharing your uh, Instagram handle origin Mm -hmm. story. Yeah. So, Jimmy, Red Baron 94. It's it's bold. (laughs) I started that thing back in middle school, and and I wanted that the whole pilot thing was coming around, and I was born in 94, and yeah. Baby. And you wanted to be the Red Baron. Oh, yeah. I just picture him like sitting on his bunk bed as Snoopy on top of the doghouse. <laughs> like not even the cool Red Baron. You Making machine gun yeah. noises. I've actually got a, a Red Baron Snoopy patch on my flight bag. That's sick. Yeah. So um, speaking of uh, flight bags and such, we, we do have um, a visit from the mail barge that we we'll do. have to get to after a break so uh y'all about ready for a break yeah let's do a break and we're going to come back and uh the uh mail barge delivery is from another fellow pilot so yeah it's, we've got that to look forward to and uh <laughs> when uh we get back we'll figure out what else we can talk about and uh take care of important stuff like uh oh i don't know Packages from the mail barge. My boy's new girl is your best friend. Act like you don't see me. We'll play pretend. Your eyes already told me what you never said. Now we're in the backseat of the black car going home when she asked me, is it wrong if I come up with you? And we are back. What? 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 What, what is that? Oh my God! It's the and uh, we have, and and this has been here for a little bit. This um, has been here a bit, and the amount of DMs I've gotten from the sender did it make it? Well, I, I'm pretty sure I posted. You did, didn't I? Post a picture yeah. on the on the gram. The, so the funny thing was, the original the, DM was, "I'm sending this. Don't tell Larry it's coming." Well, so I may be very wrong. The sender had asked me if 
we would like a particular mm-hmm. piece of swag from the theater of operations that Correct. he was in. And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. So that's what I'm assuming is in the box. Okay. Um, so in the, um, can you, can you take a photo? I can, we'll, we'll, because we'll, this we'll, kicks ass. So in the, uh, spirit of one of the, uh, last mail barge, uh, packages we got. There was a hand-drawn mail barge uh, facsimile mm-hmm. on the on the packaging, and uh, this was uh, sent to the port of the Irma Dean. And uh, you know, truth be told, I think that my mail lady, as long as it has the correct address here mm-hmm. at the Taylor Park, yeah. It doesn't matter who it's addressed to. No, she will she will care. bring it to this here trailer faithfully because whether it's to Taylor Trash Fly Fishing, those four fuckheads, uh, the Port of the Irma Dean, <laughs> as long as it's got the right number and street name, it shows up here. It's pretty crazy. Um, and don't DM me and ask for the address. So the Port of the Irma Dean, it's awfully close to... Uh, so the the old correct. broadcast that was the Emma D correct. So and I'm sure the Irma this, Dean might be related to the Irma D correct or Emma D. I mean, or just because you're an okay pilot doesn't mean you have okay listening comprehension and memory. I hope there's nothing alive in there because the knife went a little <laughs> bit down. All right, got the old. Case Seriously, on. I'm not sure what's exactly in this, Mr. Pilot, but I am stoked. Which, it, most of you don't know, I just said in the group text a couple days ago, I hate that word, so concludes on me for using it. What what word do you hate? Stoked. Stoked, that's right. You're not stoked. You're I'm stoked. selective with it. If I say it, I think it's cool. Somebody else says it. It's not in my posse. I'm like, whatever. All right. I've opened it without cutting myself. It's a win. Wait a damn second. Okay, this is some swag right here. Wait one damn second. We got a lot of different stuff than I was expecting. Okay, pilot, you're doing pretty swell. All right, Carl is not here. Did I like hook on it? Like it felt like Jimmy kicked this. I pushed it over so he put it down. I was like, why did Jimmy? Kick the fucking chair at me. Jimmy kicked chairs and All I right. don't care. <laughs> sit, sit that on Carl's uh, bin. Yeah, baby. Go ahead and open that up so oh, we can yeah. see it in its full glory. No fucking way. <laughs> this, is, this is my new favorite hoodie I've ever oh, seen. Oh my god, that is fucking god. awesome. Um... Okay, so this hold on, hold okay. on. Um, we we have a note. Smells like the Middle East. We have a note. Um, for those of you guys that follow us on Instagram, um, which there's more of you that follow us on Instagram than typically listen to an average episode. Thanks for that. Um, we have uh, Jake is an okay pilot. Um, Jake is. Uh, just fresh back in country, he was uh, deployed, and uh, on our Instagram, we called for uh, 
any of you guys that could find it in your heart to send along some uh, goodies over to everybody that was serving uh, in his unit. Uh, we know quite a few of you guys did, and we appreciate that. Um, so Jake took the time to uh, send us a package back, and uh, included here is a note, unfortunately not handwritten, uh, Larry, Mark, Carl, and the guy who always has mic issues, Ben. <laughs> Me. <laughs> I hope you like the swag. Check the tags straight from the source. I hope you enjoy... The sizes run small. I guess my Syrian tailor has it met fine strapping <laughs> men such as yourselves or the brawny man. Hope you guys appreciate the irony of the play on Patagucci. Be well. Cancer sucks, but so does Carl. <laughs> Keep a cold beer handy because you never know when I'm going to show up down at Melbourne, MCO, or Patrick. That's what's up. Much love, Jake. Jake, man, much love back to you. Um, we're glad you made it through the hitch well and made it back home. Congratulations on the new glitter boat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's looking mighty fine. And dude, the swag he, these kill. is absolutely fucking stellar, dude. He is right. They do run a little small, but uh, I've been going to the gym and it's going to pay off here in a minute. Dude, this this is... These are sick. These are sick. I can't wait. These are awesome. Wait. You're gonna have to take a picture of Ben and I in our new swag, and it's gonna be the cover of this okay. of this episode. I love it. Yeah, that's fucking tight. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> what does the tag say? Oh, let's see. Because as much as I tried, I can't bend my head that far. Well, you're not an owl. That's no, I was. Um, I don't see a tag. Maybe it's. Uh, I bet it's one of those weird ones where it's like on the bottom. Oh, let's see. The bottom or something. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby, it is genuine. It the looks article. like it says halal on it. Yeah, God, this is amazing. It says <laughs> mead in Syria. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love Syrian mead. <laughs> Nothing like a little honey wine, mm-hmm. straight from the source. <laughs> this is fucking. Great. I don't know. I. Th- like two episodes back, I'd have probably told you that was the best mail barge we've gotten in a while. I think, sorry, buddy. Yeah, this this is pretty. The pilot fun. wins. Yeah, Jake, you fucking done good, brother. All right, um, we also got uh, a new, fresh little package from uh, Chris Pezel, the stash waxer, and uh, Chris. Just so you know, we've given Jimmy some of this swag to distribute amongst the. Inuit tribes. They're very excited. You pick. You pick. You yeah. pick. Yeah, tell them they can pick whatever sticker they want. They're like windy Eskimos. Interesting. They're what? They're like windy Eskimos. <laughs> Eskimos from the Windy City. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know that you got a lot of Chicagoans up there. I mean, you've had the pizza there. You should know. Yes, yeah, true. Um, and how, how do you help? What's like a, a good, like... Joke to help me remember. Uh, what do you call a uh, native <laughs> peeping Tom? Tommy took a look. Tommy took a look. Okay, so uh, that's the mail barge. We uh, had entirely way more fun. I'm sure amazing. here in person than you ever could have listening to it, but. When you see our new swag, you're going to understand why. Yeah. Um, 
Damn it, Jake. Thanks again. Seriously, dude. Well awesome. done, sir. Well done. It's impressive. Um, it is. You know, I gave Jake a hard time um, about the lack of any kind of photographic evidence being produced with uh, any of our stickers mm-hmm. on uh, U.S. military hardware that was in flight. And uh, for some reason, he just doesn't see the cost-benefit analysis weighing out in our favor <laughs> of sticking one of our stickers on uh, an active-duty aircraft. First of all... I mean, it comes right back off. It's not like it's you're... It's not permanent. It's not permanent. Second of all... I did it with a banner plane. Yeah. They can call us, and we'll be like, oh, we didn't put it there. That's right. <sighs> do you know how hard it'd be to trace that back to you, bro? And first off, who, do you, who are you more loyal to, the government or us? That's right. I mean... I don't see you sending any to the top brass of Syriagonia shirt. I do know I can't locate the photo anymore, but we did have a photo um, back when it was uh, after dark. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a a guy that flew C-130s. He he wasn't air crew as far as on the flight deck, but he was like a loadmaster or Mm -hmm. something, and he'd put a sticker inside one of the uh, C-130s out of – Arkansas Air National yep. Guard. I remember. Nice. I remember that if, photo. If you put a sticker on a military hardware with, that has an engine, moves, not like a cargo box, even though that's pretty cool. I, for the first five people to do it, I will come up with a pretty awesome swag pack to send back. So just let that throw out there. You're an optimist for the first five people. For anyone willing to. <laughs> this would be it would have been my sales pitch. Okay, well, yeah. Um, speaking, uh, I mean, this whole show has been pretty aviation based. Mm-hmm. And before we get too far forward, um, question from the uh, listeners, the one and only. You've already answered it. I know the answer, but they need to hear it. Jimmy, radial or turbine? Radial all day long, every day. You're the man. Um, it's funny, my wife um, has become very accustomed to uh, my quirks and uh, idiosyncrasies, mm-hmm. we'll call them. Um, you know, she and I have been together, oh God, I just fucking quizzed myself and I'm failing. 22 years? Uh, longer. 25? Um, closer to like 28, 29. Damn. Um, anyway. Tried. So, um over that course of time, she's you know learned a little bit about Crazy Larry, and one of the one of the things that uh, an affliction that I suffer from is I can be sitting, doing whatever, watching TV, working on the computer, and if I hear a radial engine overhead inside the house, computer gets slung onto the couch, and I go bumbling, crumbling, <laughs> slashing. <laughs> Unlocking locks, piling out the back door to try to him do it. to try to see what's flying overhead. And uh, this morning, as a matter of fact, it had to be a T six. Uh, There's so distinctive the sound was flying over. And I looked over at her and I said, "Do you hear that radial engine?" She's like, "Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a, a DC six that comes into Bethel and runs nice. cargo and freight. Oh, nice! And the uh, the approach end of the runway is right across from our ramp. Like it's, I could throw a baseball to that part of the ramp, and 
every now and then in the morning it'll be like super cloudy and foggy and like nothing you can't see anything and all of a sudden there's and there goes the DC-6 like through the mist like out heading back to Anchorage yeah beautiful the uh, first plane I ever flew on was a DC-3 back in the spook days back in the spook days used to drive down to Indrio Road and hop it down to the Caribbean kick-ass plane nothing like no Delta plane or jet I've ever flown on has ever come close to being that cool so, do you follow um, the Air Force has an account uh, on Instagram, the Heritage Flight account? Kick ass. I do. It's, you've been to the air shows where they have the Heritage Flights. Oh, yeah. Well, this week, right now, uh, just wrapped up, uh, was Heritage Flight Training Week, where any of the guys with the old Warbirds, they have to go out and they have to get their qualification card to be able to fly the air show. So they're out there doing all this dissimilar formation flying with F-35s, A-10s, F-16s, F-22s. And, dude, the pictures coming out of this year's so crop cool. of Heritage Flight participants. It's uh, the old Douglas Sky Raider. There's a pair of F-86 Sabre Jets. A handful of Mustangs. Um, they have a. I, I saw it once. I only saw it once, like on a story. I want to say there's a Spitfire that's going to be mm-hmm. doing uh, heritage flights with the Air Force guys this year. So I mean, it's definitely if there's a heritage flight at your local air show that's coming, go because it, it's it's, it's going to be good. Very 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 rare opportunity to see some really cool air old 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 airplanes with some really really new airplanes. I didn't realize how few Corsairs were left. Yeah, that, I mean, there's not a bunch. It's like 30 or less. Mm-hmm. I, oh wow. I I would have thought it'd have been like 100 or so. Yeah. And I, I saw something the other day. It was like well, these are that are. I think it's thirty left and fourteen are operable. Are flying? Well, yeah, I think a lot of them got like shipped around the world and were used by a lot of people. Sure, they saw U.S. activity all the way through Korea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here locally, um, we have quite a celebrity uh, World War II aircraft that lives in New Smyrna Beach. Um, the uh, Carl brought this. Uh, Carl brought up. The there's a small museum um, on the be I guess the southeast corner of uh, the uh, no southwest West. corner southwest corner of New Smyrna Beach Airport mm-hmm. and uh, the Collings Foundation brings their aircraft in there for annuals and maintenance and whatnot but the museum proper. Um, it's a, I guess you'd call it a working museum. It's not like your traditional museum where you walk in and everything's like sitting behind a velvet rope or, you know, roped off and, you know, super clean. This is like a working hangar where actual maintenance is still going on, but they have quite a collection. And the coolest bird that they have in that hangar is a P-40 that is not part of the, um, it's not painted like the, the tigers. The tigers, because it's actually one of, if not the only, P-40 that was on the ground at Pearl Harbor 
during the December seventh attack that survived it. That they actually That's got amazing. it off. It actually That's got really off, the cool. ground, off the ground, off the ground, and actually survived it. And it's sitting in that hangar, and it's got a fucking sick, kick ass paint job. And it's the paint job that it had out there. That's awesome. Yeah, um, we've got uh, there's a P40 over in uh, Anchorage as well. Oh, okay, um, they got the museum there right next to Lake Hood, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's not quite in that shape. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's called the Aleutian Tiger, and it was uh, shot down by a Zero during the Aleutian campaign. Uh huh. Which um, a lot of people didn't know this, but uh, Alaska was invaded during World mm-hmm. War Two. Right. And uh, this one in particular was shot down over the islands, and uh, they recovered all the wreckage from it, and they're trying to rebuild it. They've got the wings uh, set up in the museum, and you can see all the bullet holes. And uh, one of the machine guns from the wing actually had a round from the Zero stuck diagonally into into the barrel, and it was still in the barrel. Oh, no uh, way. Yeah. um, That's cool. It was pretty cool. If you ever get a chance up there, their museum is pretty spectacular. Wow. That's awesome. Um, you know, it's always, you know, the, the most iconic P40, of course, is the, um, and I keep stumbling for my words here. What was the American volunteer group, the AVG, the, uh, yeah, the flying tigers, yeah, the flying tigers. And that's the, the most, you know, iconic P40. Um, but the P40 saw a lot of action over in North Africa. Mm hmm. And they were originally painted tan because they're going to be in sub-Saharan Africa, good camouflage color. But one of the things that they didn't realize going into it uh, at the time during World War II, the paint that they used was not very UV resistant. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of pictures, not a ton, but there's pictures, you know, color pictures were rare during World War II, Mm -hmm. but a lot of color pictures that came out of that theater all the P40s are pink because the tan paint job, <laughs> the tan paint job would fade in the yeah. sun over there. And all of the fighters were pink because they had faded paint that went from tan to pink. I'm going to Google that right now. Yeah. Just I want to see it's it. pretty cool. It's, I bet that was quite the joke among the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gosh, man, we've, we've uh, turned this into uh, a total aviation uh, podcast. You know, there's around. nothing wrong with that. So, uh, that's, what? That's pretty cool. Now that uh, now that I've recalibrated to understand that tomorrow's Saturday, um, <laughs> provided the weather holds, um, you know, we'll we'll slip out. I fished yesterday, um, probably four and a half hours. About about the most I could take out there. A lot of fish around, um, but damn, not the kind of fish you like to see. Um, I felt like I put it on the dinner plate with like you know, good quality should have been eaten shots at least a dozen times yesterday and. The only response it got was fleeing in sheer terror or I have that effect 30 degrees, right? 30 degrees left, whatever the case may be. Pick up, put it back, you know, somewhere. Nope. Turn back the other. It was just like indifference to it. They they were aware of it. They just didn't want to have anything to do with it. 
Um, Water quality, uh, windy for the past couple of three days, so the water's not the crystal clear that you saw the Uh other day. It's back to a little bit off color. A lot of mullet around. Anywhere where there were a lot of mullet, it was kind of really back to shitty. But it was, it's not algal stuff. It's just sediment, yeah, from them, you know, mudding up the areas. But uh, saw quite a few redfish, saw quite a few black drum. Um, So we'll be basically 48 hours later. So I got a pretty good milk run that we could hit tomorrow. So, uh, See what we can find. Yeah, and, I've, yet, uh, I've yet to get a, a mosquito lagoon redfish. So. Oh, well, hopefully we can change that tomorrow because I mean, they weren't eating the other day, so maybe they're eating tomorrow. I don't know. Um, Fair enough. I was hoping and planning to go to Tennessee. I was kind of thinking trying to go this week coming up, and then I realized. My birthday's next week, and I was like, well, I probably should stick around for the birthday. Um, so I moved the plan up to the following week, and now I've got craziness going on uh, at Mayo. Uh, nothing bad, just you know, more of the same kind of stuff. So looks like Tennessee's getting put on the back burner yet again. Um, but uh, other than that, um, not a lot going on. Just uh, kind of cruising through the spring, so yeah. uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping the weather's nice next week. Get out a little bit. Yeah. The, um, I know there's been some triple tail hanging out on some items down yeah. by me. Nice. I'd like to go try to pop one of those in the head with a fly. See if I can get them to eat. Um, I would tell you early in the week or later in the week is probably your yeah opportunity. That's what I would think. The uh, I'm probably shooting for later in the week. Yeah. Yeah. Midweek, probably not in the cards. Nah. I mean, you got to work those 27 hours out somehow. I got to do something. <laughs> My retiree life. Um, y'all, if y'all don't have a job you love, go change up and find something. Don't be miserable. My job kicks ass. So, the the whole idea of the... Dusty to crusty. Uh huh. Um, you mentioned it earlier. You're, you're kind of getting dialed in. The last pieces of the puzzle, you're getting uh, a fresh, brand new uh, mm-hmm. fly line. Correct. And it's like some kind of weird off brand fly line, isn't it? Uh, 406 or 407, maybe, is what it's called. Isn't that a cleaner? Right? That's 409. 409 is 409. So um, I can go back to my DMs real quick. I mean, it's not. It's not. I'm not. Right. No, it's something I've never heard of. Yeah, that's what. That's what I'm getting at. Uh, it's not that it's you know like some kind of shabby. You know, he said sh- I like four oh six fly lines. Okay. And that's all I have about it. He says he might have an extra one. He'd tell me if interested, and he did. So I said, put it in the box. Right. I'm just curious. You know. What the difference is? Like what? What? What makes that Cameron's favorite? Well, that's you know? why I figured I was like, we'll give a shot. If I hate it, I'll buy a different one. Right. Um, I've got currently on the Dusty to Crusty just because I want to use it. I've got the Orvis, some kind of seven weight line. 
that I bought, and I've not been impressed with it. It's got in the once you get past the shooting head and you're in like the running line. Mm-hmm. Is that what you'd call it? Yeah, it's okay. the running line. It's it like gets these really tight like knots, and it like I can't, and they're not always in the same spot, but they're at like forty feet roughly and it sucks because you go to cast and you'll be laying out this nice cast like you might need to make a 50 foot cast and all of a sudden your fly like it's because you're getting knots in the it's getting the knot and it's catching the eye in my fly line or my fly rod and i've talked to a couple people who have bought that line and have had the same problems and it's weird because even though it's an sa line i've never had an sa line do that sounds more like a line management issue than it it comes with the line it comes there yeah no, it comes off the reel like that. And sometimes like when you wind it up, it'll be curled. It's like one twist, real tight in the line. And then it So just, the line's twisted or there's a physical knot? It's like it twists one time, like a bread tie. Oh, okay. And like okay. a really tight loop. And I but like one twist. Towards like Do you stretch your line before you use it? I've tried stretching it. I've tried all kinds of stuff. Um all that to say, I've become disenfranchised with that fly line, and oh. so I'm gonna buy a new SA line to go on that. And you know, I've been um, fishing the the new Sage with the amplitude smooth with that new amplitude on that uh, new reel, and I it's taken a little getting used to mm-hmm. um i think i like a line with a little bit more robust head to mm-hmm. it and this isn't quite as it, my know, nine I, I want my line. i want my my brett far fat head Just like on the wall yeah, yeah i want that fat head yeah i got you so i've gone back and forth i've heard mixed things on airflow some people say they've crumbled in six months, and then I know people who've had them for years and never had a problem. Yeah, I've never had a longevity problem out of it. So I'm I'm flirting with maybe doing that. I mean, I'll be honest. Right now, my my airflow Atlantic salmon still my favorite for red fishing. Yeah, I don't just tell the fish. On sale. Well, uh, and this is you know, I legitimately needed a new line. So when I was fishing with Ted. And it was cold water, so I, I I wanted a cold water, you know, line. They had Airflow Atlantic Salmon. And uh, I don't take a fly line off unless it needs to come off. Right. You know, so I think all the pictures on the boxes and all that stuff are more towards selling me a new fly line. Right. Making me believe that if I have that picture on the box... That's the species I'm going to catch versus it's just line that needs to be thrown. Yeah. So I bought a lot of permit line and not a lot of ever seen a permit. So so that didn't work out real well. Well, I was just uh, when you said not permit, mouth, right? I was just like, hmm, permit. Um, the March Merkin, I believe, just started. Did it not? So it should be a lot of permit talk on the old interwebs here for the next few days. Should see it coming up. Um, The uh, I have to look at Johan's stories. He's usually pretty up on the tournaments with permit and stuff. He'll usually start posting stuff. Is Johan 
running charters now? I think so. Okay. I'm not quite sure. I'm not either. I I want to say I think he is. Because I, I when when Ben fished with him, um, which I just watched the yeah. episode, uh, I thought Ben did a fantastic job of basically going back and critiquing his own yeah. fishing. And uh, you know, there's something to be said that every time you go out, there's something to learn from what you did. Um, and uh, the thing that I learned about Johan through <laughs> through Ben I always thought Johan lived like more towards like Miami homestead mm-hmm. and would take trips down to like Isla Mirada and occasionally all the way out to Key West and Ben's like no he's like fucking lives out in Key West I had no idea I thought yeah. for, for years I thought he lived Same. on the other end yeah so good job with the camouflage yeah um, the uh, and way to not be a carpetbagger, right? Because you uh, you actually live there. But no, it was that YouTube video particularly was pretty cool because a most people aren't going to sit there and critique themselves on the internet, right? Um, and to be able to say, hey, look, no, I didn't catch a permit, but like here's what I did, here's what I learned. Maybe this will help you, maybe it won't, but right. Here's how we're going to review it. So kudos to that. The uh, my contribution to the Ben Siddig Society is when I leave the house because um, I like to help my friends in their side hustles. When I leave the house, I usually put on the huge one for my dog to watch while I'm gone, so it like racks up his YouTube hours. Oh, nice! And you know, so you're welcome, Ben. That that next ice cream bar is on me. So. Um- I'm I'm sure that most everybody listening realizes now that we have a YouTube channel as well. Um, not quite as popular as Ben's. But it's catching up it's pretty ca- rapidly. It, it's catching on. Um, right now, I think we have somewhere between 150 and 200 followers. Um, once we get to 1,000 followers, which all you got to do is go look on YouTube for... Taylor Trash Fly Fishing Channel, hit subscribe. That helps us get to that magical thousand number. Um, it's going to increase the likelihood in our opportunity to live stream some of these podcasts mm-hmm. on YouTube. But we have to have a minimum of a thousand. So, uh, you yeah. know, and and. Watch our videos because we also have to have a certain number so, of hours of content that's been watched. So they're basically vetting us. Right. Um, and then in addition to that, um, last month, um, everybody, you know who you are. Big, big month for folks visiting the website, shopping in the store, mm-hmm. and buying Taylor Trash swag. We appreciate it. Um, the, uh, dinner that we had this evening prior to the podcast, cause you got to have a full belly to sit here and talk so long. Mm-hmm. It was all because of you guys and whether you're buying stickers, whether you're buying a buff, whether you're buying a t-shirt, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Seriously. It's awesome. So, um, and probably in the next two to three weeks, we're going to be taking some stuff out of the store, putting some new stuff in, 
Um, so, you know, from time to time, go check because uh, what's available does change. Yeah, for sure. And if there's anything that you guys ever think that you'd like to see in the store, like half shirts, you know, like circa 1980s, you know, mm-hmm. cut off. If half you shirt, want a crop top, let us know. We'll we we can make top. that happen. Yeah. So, Jake, I'd love to see you wearing one. I, you know, we we should On really we, we really <laughs> should have uh, tank tops because uh, he could wear it at the gym. Yeah, when he's when he's custom gains my thousand pound challenge or whatever yeah, that well, was. I mean, he he put on some weight while he was he, over there, and not not fat. That was muscle, baby. Mm. He was working out. I mean, that's all you can do in the desert is fly and work out, anyways. Jimmy probably works out a lot up there in Alaska because there's nothing to do. Looks like it. Yeah. Work out my drinking arm. There you go. Uh, which, for those of you concerned about Jimmy's previous weight gain, um, he's cut out on beer, and he now drinks uh, rum and whiskey, mostly. Yeah. Cutting back on this carbohydrates. Um, I know a lot of you were very concerned that he wasn't going to be able to fit in the plan anymore. Having um, problems with weight and balance calculations. He's fine. He's doing great. Um, Thanks. You're welcome. I just, I just want you to know, like, you still got it, baby. <laughs> well, uh, what else? What else we got to kick around the old proverbial uh, I, table? I feel like we had something coming up. Because I'll be honest, uh, I don't think I took any. Like, I don't have notes because I didn't do anything other than fish that bass pond. Yeah. Um. And washed windows. Um, the um, the Hobie, um, the Hobie, the Hobie Power Skiff uh, is completely one hundred percent titled in Florida. Perfectly again. well, and uh, this was new to me. So uh, anybody here in Florida, if you happen to be getting a new vessel, a new to you vessel, yeah, and you find out it qualifies, I would highly recommend going ahead and opting for the classic or antique registration eight bucks a year to register your boat that's pretty dope unbelievable because i think my skiff was that's got to be one of those hey let's pass this law to create this new like you know licensing um category for the purpose of you know helping encourage people to preserve you know older vehicles and they don't realize that they're carving out like this like crazy cheap um registration option yeah that that's going to apply to every shit box beater of that age it's not it's not because these cars are nice or this boat's nice it's just well, they're that fucking it's old. funny it's like whoever came up with this is the exact opposite of, of obama's cash for clunkers idea it's like we need to get these off there they're like what if we just encourage more people like hey we won't charge you as much if you stick with it for a while <laughs> that's um, right and to that person, I like them. Yeah. I like their style. Tip of the cap. like the cut of your jib, sir. Mm-hmm. Nice cut, G. The uh, eight bucks is pretty good. I think mine's 30 bucks-ish. Yeah. I mean. Which, I mean, is still not like some insane number. I mean, I, I'm already like looking at, you know, hey, the whip ray is going to be like more affordable here really soon. Yeah. Like I should probably jump on that. Yeah. The, uh. I know insurance on cars typically gets cheaper, which is kind of weird. You'd think it'd get higher, but it probably probably depends again on that pedigree. They're not counting on you surviving in that antique car. No. 
Mark and I were at the strawberry. I guess we could talk about that. Um, so Melbourne's had like a string of events lately. That's been kind of nice to be honest. Like nobody's really masking up. Everybody's kind of back to normal, but they had the strawberry festival the other day, which is not, it's like an offshoot of the plant city one. All those strawberries still come from there, but it's like the Melbourne plant city strawberry festival. It's a satellite location. It's a satellite location. Not as cool, but tastes like home. Um, and they had like this mini car show that had like 12 cars in it. And they had, I'm going to get this wrong. They had a Volkswagen bus and they had, what was the Ford equivalent? I've just always known they've had the old Econolines. No, it wasn't an Econoline. It was. You're talking about like, like the uh, mystery machine. Yeah, but older than that. Older than that. Yeah. It was, I'll have to look it up. I'll fact check myself. Um, or maybe it was Chrysler that made it. I bet I think it was Chrysler. Um, but they had one of each there and no joke, the metal work because the engines in the back. Uh, so like it was like steering column and like a piece of sheet metal. And like, that was it. Like there's like, if you took a head on collision, you were going to know it. If you lived like it was going to friggin' hurt. On okay. both of them. So, so, all right. So, you just caused me to remember a topic that, that you're the perfect person was, that I want to discuss this with. Go ahead. It was the Econoline. It was the Econoline. It Econo- was an old Econoline. Okay. So, we'll see what the old Chrysler one was. I'm pretty sure it was a Chrysler. Was it that? Yep. It was very similar to that. That's a Ford. It wasn't a Ford, though. I don't know. I could be wrong. All right. So. It happens. In the. In the. Not too distant past, you have expressed um, an interest in the idea of converting like a, a retired uh, mm-hmm. moving truck, yep. like a rider or a U-Haul or something, yep. into you know Ben's mobile fly laboratory, yep. or as Flip would say, laboratory. Correct. Um, have you ever considered? An ambulance. I have. Um, I started with an ambulance. I went down the... um, YouTube? Ambulance YouTube rabbit hole. It's a dangerous hole, Larry. Dude, Uh, there was a couple that I was like, holy badass fucking rig. They're super bad. So we'll go over a little pros and cons list. Pros, they're typically already wired with a generator. Uh Uh-huh. So you're not having to like rethink your power situation unless you want to add solar. And then you just got it. There's like some conversions you can get. Um, there's typically storage on the outside. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted water tanks, there's like a spot to put them that's not inside. So there's a lot going for them. The cons are headroom height. I saw that. You can't. You would be okay. I would not be okay. I would have to crouch. I thought it was uh, six feet. I'm six one. Well, my apologies. You should be. Um, apology be accepted. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's because he gave up on that beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. To be fair, no one. I didn't think Jimmy was fat. He just made a comment earlier off air that he was like, yeah, I just had to quit drinking beer because I was gaining weight. Um, but so that's the biggest con to the ambulance because they already have air conditioning, too. Like, typically, they're pretty comfortable. I haven't done enough research to know if I can't. Like, there's probably a workaround. Right. Um, 
but it's kind of one of those things like but, I mean you know so in reality though that space in the vehicle is primarily a sit down and eat dinner mm-hmm. lay down and get some shut eye yep I mean how much walking around are you going to be doing back there <sighs> who knows man Sky's the limit. I mean, you know, if you're getting the shagging wagon, ain't a lot of shagging going on standing around. Not the way you do it. Um, or the way I do it. Bed needs some room for Pilates. That's really what it is. I I like yoga. Um, mostly I like yoga pants, if I'm real honest. I don't wear them, but I certainly don't mind looking at it. Um, no, sorry, Mom. Um, <laughs> but whoa, <laughs> no, no, not directed my mom. Where the, the joke is, anytime I say something off color, or off key, I always apologize to my mom. Just, are you really that backlogged on episodes? Jimmy's buddy? a big listener, Jeez. big fan of the show. You're just like freaking Justin. Um, love you, buddy. I feel so attacked. <laughs> you should. I mean, it's Making it's only fun of fair. My Instagram name, calling me fat. No one made Man. fun of your Instagram name. We just asked about it. Justin Snoopy. Justin paddled the uh, Peace River today. Did he? In search of uh, dinosaur relics and uh, fossilized shark's teeth. Maybe you should FaceTime me like you used to and tell me how that went. The uh, I miss your little smoke breaks. Um, that's pretty cool. I've always wanted to do that. I've never done it. Yeah. The... Uh, also, really high on my list is taking the skiff up a uh, one of the springs. That's going to happen this year. Now that the skiff works, I said that last year, but it wasn't really functional until like the end of the year. Right. Um, the Sunday, I have a skiff date planned, and by that I'm hold up, don't get excited. By that, I've committed my tenant to helping me get my hat spring installed on my. Mm-hmm. Hatch lid. Oh, it's a work day. It's a work date. Um, but I was like, hey, since we're all going to be home on Sunday and the weather's not great this weekend, do you have some time to help me do this? I was like, because I, I said, because I, I need two people to, at least with the hatch spring. I was like, and I can't, I don't think about it like when I'm at the house, I'm doing other things and this, and then it's when I'm on my boat and I open it. I said, I'm just asking to drop this lid and like rip my springs out of the hinges out of the deck. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to get that squared up. You you mentioned on the text, just real passing brief, Uh-oh. that you had loaned out your skiff to someone. I what the fuck were you thinking? That never ends well. It did end well. Um, no, a, a buddy I've he's run my boat a bunch of times before. We run it together. He his girlfriend had a friend in town, and they were all taking a boat out. And he's got a he's got my old high cider. He bought it from me. And he was like, hey, man, you'd said, like, if I ever, like, needed it, like, don't yeah, be afraid to ask. You don't need it. You've got a high cider. Well, I, fair. But he was like, is there any chance I could borrow it? And I was like, yeah. It did. I'll tell you what's funny. I trust this guy, ex- like, 100%. He's safe. He pulled out my driveway. I was like, what the fuck have I done? Um, it went well, but I, I'll be honest, it probably won't ever happen again. I like, I had enough panic in me. Like, yeah, I, it's just too big of a risk, but it like, it's like loaning surfboards. Yeah. You know? Like that it, always comes back with a new ding. Right. And no, like, and oh, I thought that was already in there, man. The, uh, there's no new ding. Um, he did come home at night. So my driveway, you might've seen it. I've got coquina rocks on both sides mm-hmm. and it kind of makes a weird snake. 
And he was like, I backed down at like a Greek god. I'm just, I can do it. He's like, I can't back down your driveway. I was like, you want me to do it? He's like, well, can I just drive back there and turn around? I was like, yeah, but don't hit my well in the backyard. So he misses the well, (laughs) turns around and like, he doesn't hit it hard. He's going super slow. I've got a, like a four foot tall pile of pavers. And he smashes it. And somehow he hit the pavers with the trailer. He, like, didn't see him because <laughs> it was nighttime. I started, I was laughing because he hit it so slow. He, like, knocked, like, one paver off. He's like, uh. I was like, dude, you're good. Just back up. Go around. He's like, dude, I was so glad you laughed when I hit that. He's like, because I was like, oh, shit. But it was good. Yeah. So he's not going to borrow it anymore. No, but not not because of that. But the, uh, no, it was just like, I was like, no, 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 it'll be cool. You can borrow it. And then it like put in my driveway, like, <sighs> um, whereas like, if you ever use my skip, I, I, I wouldn't think twice about it. Like, I'd be like, whatever. Um, you're making a mistake. I'd run your skiff like I fucking stole it and didn't know you. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing it would make. If it went down, it would make, it would be one hell of a story <laughs> and she's got insurance. All right. Um, but yeah, so I did loan out my skiff. I'm going to get a couple upgrades done. My friend, is, his girlfriend's bringing her sewing machine over because I've got to sew Velcro onto the back of my tackle web so I can cover that rear bulkhead. It's like I'm just going to like check all the boxes and try to get this thing squared up, ready for C-Deck. That's going to be like a probably like a late spring upgrade. Gotcha. Um, I'm trying to get everything else done, so it's just kind of like... Final touches. Final touches. Final touches. Little goofy things. All right. Well, um, before we wrap up, I have a little uh, admission, a little mea culpa. I was the biggest hypocrite yesterday when I was fishing. Interesting. My dear friend that was pulling me around made sure to point it out. (laughs) 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 And I, I quickly agreed and and said you know what you're absolutely right um however (laughs) (laughs) caveat um first time in a long time i've done it um after getting kicked in the teeth all morning long after about two and a half hours of nothing but fuck yous from the fish we changed you know went to a new spot and I said, you know, I'm just going to grab the other rod because it has a different fly on it. Maybe, just maybe, switching up will do the trick. And so, like, we're pulling, like, two minutes. Like, I, I don't even know how you, how you could stand it to wait the fucking two minutes. Yeah. He's like, you know you're being a fucking hypocrite up there, right? And I was like, what? He's like, dude, you, how many times have you told me it's not the fly? I was like... <laughs> Oh, go fuck yourself. I've been getting kicked in the teeth for like fucking two and a half hours. I can fucking change to the fucking fly. Because you know what we do know at this point? They're not fucking eating that other one. Nope. (laughs) And and it happens. Sometimes it does work. Right. And then sometimes you just. Ultimately, it's, you know, I had lost confidence in what I, you know, so it's like, all right, what's the easiest reset button I can push here? And you know what is funny? There is a little bit like of like the magic of changing a fly is like this is going to work. Well, you know, it, there's the magic of you know picking that. You know, what am I going to throw today? Mm-hmm. You know, because your entire 
strategy, and that's probably the wrong word for trying to fool a fish into eating a fucking fly, but you know, what's your what's your tactic? What's your idea? What's what's your best what do you feel confident you can present to make it right. look like that prey item? And you pick it and the next thing you know is like, nope, 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 fuck yep. you, nope, oh big time fuck you. And eventually you know, like, you can either stick with it and just grind it out. Yeah. And go home and tell your wife the longest story ever <laughs> about the fish that didn't eat the fly. It's just like, oh my God. Yeah. Or you're like, all right, fuck it. It's time to switch it up. Yeah. So it is funny how the like the mental game of fly fishing, you know, people talk about the mental game and it's not like the it's not the puzzle, like problem solving of the mental game. It's the it's the confidence and emotional like emotions might be too strong of a word, but like the emotional head game of like keeping no, it's, yourself it's, in it. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, you're definitely having to constantly do all that math. Yeah. To get the right angle, right? Yeah. It's angling. Um, you're presenting it. You're putting it where it needs to go, where you perceive it needs to go. So, and along with that is keeping that, mental attitude Mm -hmm. keeping your emotions in check you know not letting yourself get pissed off or not letting yourself beat yourself up about you know how many fucking times can i hit one on the head you know that kind of thing um you know we're uh we're cooking up a an idea for uh, a fun probably once a month uh meetup that'll be happening here unfortunately unless you want to get a plane ticket and come down and join us we're gonna kind of start up a thing this spring it's all gonna be around casting and uh you know probably the number one thing that i do to fuck up on the dance floor is you look you cast where you're looking mm-hmm. you know i mean it makes sense right you cast where you're looking and you have to at least myself, I'll speak for myself. I have to remind myself sometimes, don't look at the fish, right. <laughs> you know, look where you want the fly to go. Cause mm-hmm. God knows I've given plenty of concussions to lagoon redfish, hitting them in the head. And it, it, it just never works. Well, the never funny, works out the way I wanted it to. You've, you've probably observed it, but haven't known the why behind the observation when I've been on the front of your skiff. When you will, I'll be like making a false cast and it looks pretty good. And then all of a sudden it's like six feet further to the right. It's because I'll have a panic on the, like when I'm fixing to release, I'm like, Oh shit, I'm looking at the fish and I'll like twitch it off to the side to like not hit the fish. And of course it just spirals out of control. And I've, I've caught myself doing it at least four times this past year. Well, I'm by this past year, not calendar years. Right. Yeah. And I think two or three of them I've been on your boat. And it's it's funny, but it it is funny in the headspace. Like as funny as I think the I suck at fly fishing stickers. I'll never put I'll never buy them or put them on my boat because it's like I tell myself every time I get on there I'm the best fucking caster in the world, and I'm gonna nail every fish I want because like for me it just keeps it's me positive confidence. and yeah. like doing it. And like some days I'll get up there and I'll like I'll need to pitch on because I cut my teeth pitching under mangroves. It wasn't tight casting on right on red so like every time i get up there if i'm not feeling confident i'll tie on like a small manageable fly and get like 
quite a few good casts under the trees. And then if I feel like I need to change up, I'll put like the little bit bigger bait fish I want on there. And I just tell myself, everyone's like, they're like, are you going to go under the trees? I'm like, yeah, I'm the best. We're going to do it. And usually I can hype myself up enough to get close enough to where I want and it actually works. But do I, am I cocky enough to think I'm the best? No, but do I tell myself that on the skiff to get in the game? Yeah. hundred percent. You can always tell yourself you're the best motherfucker standing up there right now. That's exactly right. So, all right. Well, with that little gem of uh, encouragement and wisdom, we're going to uh, wrap it up. And uh, Jimmy, thanks for taking the time to come up from South Florida, hang out with us, break bread, spend a little time talking. And uh, tomorrow's Saturday. So now I've recalibrated. We'll try to get out and fish a little tomorrow. Um, That's going to be it, y'all. Episode 61, Taylor Trash Fly Fishing. Thanks for hanging out with us. Side effect for the vaccine. So, if you would like to get one, I can make 